Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Coming up, Lav and I talk about what we learned last week in Los Angeles and who needs to work on something before we get to Augusta National. Welcome to the Golf Central Podcast brought to you by the new P770 from TaylorMade. Why practice a draw? If you've got a fade, if you can hit it high, why master the stinger? Because the key to better golf is having options you can count on. That's why TaylorMade took everything they learned, making P790, the forged face, the speed foam, and all its DNA, and put it into a smaller package. Introducing P770. Let the sibling rivalry begin. Available at your local golf retailer or tailormadegolf.com. Use promo code GOLFCHANNEL for free two-day shipping on any other order. Lab, I want to talk about the Zozo Championship and what we learned from that, but getting right to it, and I don't know really how much we learned from this, but I, I want to touch on Tiger Woods simply because on Sunday before I left Los Angeles, I was taken on Sunday as – Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson sat on the tip of tee about to tee off about a million strokes out of the lead in a rain. Uh, it was gloomy. There were no fans. Uh, they got their butts handed to him by someone named Adam Long head to head. And it struck me that this is probably the last time that we're going to see them paired together on a Sunday on the PGA tour. And, and in my mind, going through that, it, it was an anticlimactic end to we, we can call it one of the best rivalries in golf, and I know it is, but over the course of their history, they haven't had many head-to-head Sundays. They haven't. I mean, Doral in, in 05 was probably the best one. Uh, they met 2012 at, at Pebble Beach Pebble. When, when, when Phil dusted Tiger in the last round. That was kind of the turning point, uh, I think, in their relationship. Are you saying they're never going to play again on Sunday? On the PGA Tour, I think they're going to play together. Now they're not going to be—they're not going to be vying for the title, but they could be in a position like they were at the Zozo Championship, where they're just playing out the string on what was yet another disappointing week. No, I think there there is that opportunity, and there's going to be plenty of times when they get paired together on Thursday and Friday because there's going to be tournaments that are just star for attention, and that's the way to get attention because everyone's going to want to tune in and see that simply because it's entertaining. And again, I'll go back to. This is one of the best rivalries in golf. I mean, we can sit here. It's one of the only rivalries in golf. No, no, I'm, I'm talking more in the history of golf. Golf wasn't invented in 1996, so I think we need to look beyond that. Certainly, that Gary was, and was a, Jack. It was a pretty one-sided rivalry. It was, but I think towards the end, and I'm going to call it right now and say this is towards the end, Phil made a game out of it. I mean, you talked about 2012, and he absolutely wore Tiger out at Pebble Beach on Sunday to, to win that event. And so I think later in his career – Bill got a better handle on it. Now there's other things that factored into this as well. But the one thing that I came away with is, yeah, they might end up with another one of these Sunday pairings where they're way out of the lead and teeing off on number 10 and a rain paired with Adam Long. However, 
it only happened 10 times in their career where they were even paired together on a Sunday in the PGA Tour. That's two and a half decades. So the math just wasn't there to begin with, even when they were in their prime. So I find it very, very unlikely that it's going to happen. Certainly not with a title on the line, but no, I, I don't think we're going to see that again. It seems clear at this point that Phil Mickelson is more comfortable leaning towards the PGA Tour champions. And we can talk about that going into the Masters. And I just don't know when you look at Tiger Woods and he was going through the motions last week at the Zozo Championship, clearly with Augusta on his mind, I just don't see how it happens, especially with anything meaningful on the line. Yeah, like last week at, at Sherwood, where Tiger's a five-time winner, a five-time runner-up in, in limited field action, Phil Mickelson is obviously comfortable playing in California. They, they were terrible last week. 77 players competed all four rounds. Phil Mickelson finished 76th. Tiger Woods finished in a tie for 72nd. We can look at all the stats you want, but what were your impressions on the ground? Let's start with Tiger. What were your takeaways? It was the first time we've seen him in a month when he missed the cut and shot 10 over at, at wing foot. Apparently he complained later of, of having some back stiffness that week. To me, that was the least of his issues. What was your takeaway seeing Tiger for the first time in a month? Terrible. Don't hold back loud. Just go right at him. Just they terrible. Were, were. By, by any, uh, by any metric, they were putrid last week. They were awful. And they, they would both uh, agree to that. I, I mean, if we're in, this is the way I wanted to spin this forward. Let's kind of go through it and say what someone needs to do before they get to the masters. I'll start with Tiger because he's the easiest one because he went through it for us on Sunday afternoon when we asked him what he needed to work on. And he essentially went through every aspect of his game, except for putting. Putting was the only thing that he walked away from Sherwood thinking, okay, I'm somewhere close. But the one thing that stands out, and this goes to last year, and we're going to continue to touch on this because it was the epiphany moment going into the Masters last year that something clicked and he was able to start hitting that high draw with regularity. And he got some confidence with it, really, in the days leading up to Augusta National last year. And that's what he was looking for. It wasn't there. And I thought Brandel Chambly made a great point uh, of saying that if you looked at the way he was trying to play that golf course, even on holes where he clearly just should, should have hit that sort of hold off cut fade that he's become very, very adept at, he would still try to hit the high draw because he was trying to force it. He was trying to get himself into a mood that even under pressure, he can perform this like he needs to at Augusta. He did not. His iron play was awful. Uh, his play around the greens was awful. So he pretty much needs to shore up everything in the two weeks before then. Now he hung, he clung to the notion that he might add the Houston open to his schedule that this is going to be dated probably by the time this podcast gets posted, because I got the impression he's going to make a decision soon. And I didn't think he was going to add. Yeah, to me, that didn't make any sense. He'd be heading to a yeah. golf course that he's never seen before. You'd have to, relearn it that would cut into his Augusta prep time to me this isn't a competitive reps issue to me it's it, it just boils down to the simple fact that he's not swinging very well this is what we've seen post pandemic break like his irons haven't been sharp his driver he has a two-way miss uh his putting we've well documented on this pod podcast has has dipped significantly last week at a golf course that was pretty easy it was it was pretty easy Rex you saw winning scores in the 20s Tiger Woods strokes gained tee to green was 70th out of 77 players, and he may have been encouraged by his putting. I'm not sure where he's getting that sense of optimism from since he was 65th on the greens. To me, he needs to just spend the next two weeks on the range trying to sort out his swing. Uh, I'm not sure if his body can allow that. That's always going to be the problem with Tiger is that can he put in the hours on the range 
and the time necessary and the energy necessary in order to fix things. But to me, he can have all of this institutional course knowledge at Augusta and know exactly where to hit it. But if he can't actually execute the shots and hit it where he's looking, then then it really doesn't matter because he doesn't stand a chance. He does not. And, and I'll say outside of his putting, just his body language, his demeanor, he is, he does look like he's somewhere close to being healthy, at least the first thing we've seen healthy in quite a long time. He, he was moving well last week. It was cold. It was kind of drizzly. It wasn't the best of conditions for someone with multiple back surgeries, but it's gonna, that it's is gonna be cold at Augusta too. It's going to be very cold at Augusta. I'm starting to get that impression. However, I'll fall back on the golf writer cliche, which he is what his record says he is right now. And that's not a very good golfer. Jumping very, very quickly to Phil, because I think we're going to be able to, under the same mindset. Similarly, awful, terrible. The experiment with the two wood, two wood not going well. The experiment with the driver, trying the 47 and a half inch shaft, not going well. He didn't seem sharp around the greens. Again, another interesting scenario where he's toying with the idea of maybe playing Houston the week before the Masters, which is what he normally does, or he's holding out that he may pay, play the PGA Tour Champions event that week in Arizona. When I talked to him on Saturday, he kind of went through the list of pro, pros and cons for me, and I won't bore you with those details, but he did sound like he was leaning towards the Champions Tour, which is fascinating to me. I think that is actually the best tune-up for him. Just like Tiger's Probably. never seen Memorial Park, this is a golf course that, that Phil has never seen before. By all accounts, it's going to have a stiffer penalty for a missed fairway than playing on a, on a senior event would be in Phoenix where it can just be bombs away with short rough and oversee the grass, which is what he's going to see um, at, at Augusta National. Phil just needs to roll into Augusta with confidence. And, and quite frankly, he hasn't shown anything against the young bucks on the PJ tour to suggest that, that he's close to a breakthrough there. So if he can go to a senior event and wail away and get some mojo going with the driver and make some birdies and start to feel good about himself, to me, that would do him more good than having a, an early exit in Houston and getting a head start on his Augusta itinerary. I think he just, he just needs to feel good. He's not going to wear himself down with 54 holes in a cart on the PJ Tour champions. To me, that's the best move. I, I still don't think he's clicking an, in enough aspects of his game to, to make him a, a serious threat to win the Masters this year, d despite how well he's played against the guys on the over-50 circuit. And I think there is something to be said for the idea that winning – sort of breeds more winning, right? So he is the alpha male. He wants to get out and be the center of attention. And he's able to do that with the over 50 set. And then I think you're right. That gives him some sort of boost going into Augusta, but that's not going to help when that golf course is playing impossibly long in November against these players. We're all waiting to see what Bryson is going to do with the 48 inch driver. At he's carrying at 400 yards without the 48 inch driver. What, did, what did you make of that? There was a caveat. I don't want to dig too deep into this because there the was 20, a caveat. the twenty mile an yeah. hour downwind. Downwind. Yes. Uh, okay, I, so it's still going three seventy five in the air. I don't know, and and I would again defer to ha having done a couple shows last week with Brando, and and I think he did a, a really brilliant job on Saturday of breaking this down, where he made the argument, and statistically, it was very very sound that in his prime, Bubba Watson going head-to-head -head with Bryson DeChambeau right now would beat Bryson DeChambeau in the 13th hole in, in a driving contest simply because he was better. He shape. was that much better. He was that much better statistically than Bryson DeChambeau is right now. You could say the same thing certainly about Rory McIlroy when he set the standard for strokes gained tee to green uh, back when he was in his prime. 
I, I understand where everyone is going with this. I get how we're going to get fascinated when he puts those silly pictures up on social media, forgetting to mention that it was a 20 mile an hour downwind, forgetting that it is on a it's range. It's still going really far. It's still going really far, but that's not the point of, that Brandon was making. And I totally agree with this, that it, it's not that 200 mile an hour ball speed. That's the impressive thing. The impressive thing is how he's improved every other aspect of his game. And, and he likes being the center of that long ball attention. He, he enjoys that. He's fostering it. However, I, I think he's doing himself a disservice by not allowing people to realize how much better he has gotten statistically, certainly around the greens, certainly on the greens. All of these aspects need to be factored in as a whole. And I just think we get too much. There's too much. The level of fascination on how his ball speed, his swing speed, how far he's carrying it. I just think it's silly at this point. It, it is. It's, it's gotten, it's gotten a little out of control and look, he didn't win at wing foot because he, he hit it further than everyone else. Matthew Wolf on, on a number of holes hit it further than Bryson DeChambeau did. Bryson won the U S open because his iron play was outstanding. And once again, he proved that he's a top 10 putter on the PJ tour. You put all of that together, then you're going to have a, a U.S. open champion. So when you look ahead to Augusta, he might be able to hit at 350. He might be able to hit at 375 and just have some stupid numbers into some of these holes that we've come to expect are, are going to be playing quite difficult for the guys. But if he's not wedging it close and if he's not, if he's not putting well, it's not really going to matter. When we talk about Bryson and the 48-inch driver, I will still say, and I want to be on record as saying this, that I still think it is an unnecessary risk for him to put that driver in play at the Masters. This is a rushed experiment that he doesn't have enough time to see how it's going to play in a tournament setting. This is something I'd love to see him do at Kapalua, maybe Torrey Pines, certainly in Phoenix. I'd like to see it for the 2021 Masters. But for this fall Masters with only a month to, to try and work it in, it, to me, it just seems unnecessary. He's clearly hitting it far enough. I just think that that extra edge he's going to gain is, is not going to be worthwhile. I just want to be on record as saying that, Rex. On record, please clip that, Simon, because if, if he's going to choose to walk to the edge of the plank, we might as well just allow him to push himself into the deep abyss simply because when uh, Bryson ends up winning the Masters by 12 strokes, uh, thank you, Simon, on the record. Uh, I don't want to, again, I don't want to focus on Bryson. It, do me a favor, I, and I, I'm kind of throwing this at you. When you look at last week's leaderboard, give, give me two players that gave you enough confidence heading to Augusta where you would walk at, back out on that plank that you love to live on and say, yes, these two have uh, should be numbers one and two on the list of favorites. One and two on the list of favorites? Okay, well, sure. Bryce is, Bryson's the favorite, and I think even though Justin Thomas's record isn't he great. He play last week, but all right. Yeah, and even though uh, Justin Thomas's record at Augusta isn't, isn't great, I would still put him uh, securely in that top five. I'm curious to see how Dustin Johnson plays next week in Houston, surely. He's, I mean, he's finished in the top six and. Each of his last five starts hasn't played in more than a month now, uh, obviously because of scheduling and then the COVID issue. Two, uh, two players, Rex, I, I did want to talk about who I would – I'm not sure they're necessarily going to sneak up on you, but Roy McIlroy made 29 birdies last week at Sherwood. If he can minimize some of the – he was mad he didn't make 30, by the way. He yeah. was angry that he didn't get the 30, yeah. But, he, but if he can just minimize some of the, the costly mistakes that he's making, which I think just come down to focus, uh, I think he'll be okay. And I think you mentioned, you mentioned Bubba Watson. Bubba Watson, two-time Masters champion, tied for fourth last week at Sherwood. Per stats guru Ju uh, Justin Ray, Bubba Watson has gained 
more than anyone else in golf besides Dustin Johnson strokes gain tee to green since the PGA Championship. This is a guy who's playing some really good golf. His putting is always going to be shaky, but if he can just hold it together for four days, I think Bubba Watson is a super sleepy, sneaker, sleepy, sneaky, Spit it out. Spit a it out. sleepy, sneaky sleeper oh pick for the Masters. Again. A sleepy, a sleepy, sneaky pick for the Masters. If 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 you're doing a Masters pool, do you go with it now? He's he's like a perfect <laughs> group three or group four pick in your Masters pool. Bubba Watson. I don't know how sneaky he is, and and the reason I kind of wanted to, to get you to focus on too, because I, I Bubba was one of the players I focused on for a number of reasons, and obviously his his play tee to green impressive last week on let's face it. If there's any part of Sherwood that was difficult, you did have to shape some shots and, and he loves to do that. And there's just a level of confidence. I talked to him on Friday and, you know, we, I was just kind of touching base on some things about Augusta and sort of his thoughts on what it's going to be like without the fans. And I was amazed how his face just lit up just the idea of going out there. And it dawned on me halfway through his answer that if anyone is going to benefit from not having any patrons on property at the Masters. It's going to be Bubba because let's face it, he gets distracted easy, bright and shiny things, get his attention going down fairways, and he has a hard time. I mean, his poor caddy has to work really hard to keep him in every single shot. And you have the idea that this is the Masters where he has, we all know his record. I mean, it's all or nothing there. And, and when it's all, he usually slips on a green jacket. And now he doesn't have those bright and shiny things outside the ropes to get his attention, to, to get him outside of that competitive mindset. I think it's a perfect combination for him. And you talk to other players and they're not happy. I mean, Tiger Woods is clearly not happy with the idea of playing the Masters without fans. They're going to do it. They love the idea of just being able to play the Masters, but it's going to be so starkly different that a lot of guys are going to have a hard time. They're going to struggle with it. I think it's going to be the opposite with Bubba. I think he's going to go out and he's going to relish this. It's essentially just going to be playtime with him and his caddy out on the golf course. And they won't have all of those things that sort of get him into these, this bad mindset. The other guy, and I don't know, you're not going to like this. So I'll, I'll leave the floor. Wolfie? Is it Wolfie? It is not Wolfie. Um, I, I did enjoy Wolfie last week it's simply because being close to his home, having a swing coach there. Uh, I actually went by the golf course, uh, the West Lakes golf course where, you know, he, he sort of cut his teeth and what a cool spot. You know what I mean? Did you, I did you hit balls impressed. off the, uh, off the I did. turf? I did just because I wanted to get the experience for no other reason. I mean, it was dark and, and, you know, I just wanted to go out there and get a feel for it, but no, the guy I was going to lean into was Patrick Reed and, and for a lot of different reasons, but I, I had a chance to talk with him last week. And again, here's a guy who is all or nothing at Augusta and he has the green jacket. He knows how to play that golf course. But when I spoke with his caddy, he talked about this is the exact mindset he was in before he won his green jacket, that he was building and, and trending in the right direction. And, and the way he's driving the ball and the way he's hitting his irons so crisp. I think both of those guys, and you put him in the third and fourth category if we're going to do some sort of draft heading into the Masters. I would go higher with both those guys. I mean, they're probably not my first pick, but they would definitely be my second pick. I mean, Bubba's barely inside the top 50 uh, in, in, the, in the world rankings. He, to me, that's a perfect group three or group four guy. I mean, he's, got, he's going to be under the radar. I'm not sure you'd necessarily put Bubba in your top 10 are we doing a snake uh, draft? Or are we doing, no, we're, we're going to do that next draft. week, Rex. That's not. Okay. That's not. No, no, let's no, not tease asking, too much. It's going to be snake draft, right? But but I would I would put Patrick Reed in a top ten favorites. You look at what he's done over his last four events. He was tied for seventh at the Tour Championship. When you look at the seventy-two hole scores, 
T13 at the U.S. Open, of course, where he led uh, after 36 holes. T3 across the pond, came all the way back over on the West Coast. What's that, a eight-hour time difference? Mm-hmm. And finished T14 with a, with a Friday 63. I think especially if the conditions at Augusta become more difficult, if we see something closer to a, to a, a 2007 when Zach Johnson won with a, winning, with a winning score that was over par, I don't think it's necessarily going to get that hard. But if we see something single digits under par winning, that's right up Patrick Reed's alley. I would, I would agree with you that he's, he's definitely a name to watch, and he was definitely a player I would put in my top 10 favorites. And a, a preview story that I'm working on is what, what, what can we expect at Augusta National playing in November? And I'm getting a lot of this. I'm getting a lot of it's the year Zach Johnson won, which we all remember it was cold. It was hard. Uh, the wind was howling. No one seemed to want to go for par fives in two. It really mitigated the power advantage that year. Therefore, Zach Johnson won. So I, I will be fascinated. Uh, before we move on, there is two names. John Rahm is one that would come up simply because, I mean, he played brilliantly last week. He did not win. He As he usually does. As he usually does in this situation. And I, I just think him going to the Masters, it, it, he has that creativity around the greens that we know the Spaniards seem to take to Augusta National. And he has that fire. And the way he's striking the ball right now, I think he, he would be foolish to ignore him. And, and we'll get into that more as we go down the list. The other was Tony Finau. That was his first start last week since his COVID scary ended up finished tied for 11th. He's a guy who's had success at Augusta national. I simply think there's so many players that are trending in that direction right now. Yeah. I, I like the way that the, the field is shaping up here. I think Bryson, you have to put him as the favorite just because of if, if nothing else, it gives us something to talk about. But but the way that he's played over the past several months, the way that he played at the U.S. Open, certainly, uh, the way he played at the Shriners, uh, and then taking a month off. But we haven't even talked about Patrick Cantlay, the, the guy who actually not. won the Zozo Championship. He's, he's still a top-ten player in the world. He's one of the most complete players all around, no weaknesses in his game. We've barely touched on Justin Thomas. I, I mean, there's, there's a lot of players in the mix if Bryson doesn't necessarily have his – his, his A game and, and doesn't overpower Augusta National like he certainly thinks that he's going to be able to. We have not, but we have plenty of time to get into it. However, I do have to cut you off because you have duties this afternoon, apparently. Uh, East Lake Cup, who do you like since that's where, where you're heading to? You're heading into the office, which you haven't been in since when? Uh, so I was in there a couple weeks ago, but that was my first time since February. Do me a favor. Third. I have a hat, an Orioles hat on my desk. Can you grab that for me? Because I don't know that I'm ever going back in that office. Already took your Augusta National parking pass. Uh, it looked like looked like you had a couple other books on there that I'd I'd love to to uh, swipe and then put on the shelf that's behind me. But sure, I can I can I can do you that solid. Yeah, do, do me that. And then East Lake Cup, you've you've got duties this week, so I've got to let you off the hook on the podcast. But who do you like? Who are we talking about tonight? Uh, I like Oklahoma. To- no, no, no one cares. What? Uh, I like Oklahoma and Pepperdine to face off in the championship on the men's side and on the women's side. I'll go. Uh, South Carolina and Old Miss with a little uh, SEC flavor. All right. Tune into the East Lake Cup. That's on Golf Channel. That'll do it for this Golf Central podcast. We'll see you next week. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Walmart Plus members save on Meeting Up With Friends. 
Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.